Father, we thank you so much that the victory belongs to Jesus and that Jesus Christ is our captain. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the authority in our lives. Lord, we need you. I need you. You've called us here to the city of Fairfield, to the west side of Western Birmingham for such a time as this. Your spirit is at work. You're moving. You're bringing many sons and daughters to yourself. And Father, we're in a fight. We're in a fight that is not of this world. It is a spiritual fight that you can see the constant warfare that is coming at us. And Father, you know that we are young church. Grow us up, Father, by your spirit. Sanctify us through your word. And I pray tonight, Father, that as you walk with us through Romans and we've come to a chapter of the Lord that is very important for us even now in these times. And so, Lord, I pray that you would cover my words that you've placed on my heart to speak. Holy Spirit, that you will remove the fear, the timidity, and any apprehensiveness that I may have, and that you would come now and touch the top of my head and the soles of my feet, and that you would touch my tongue, and that I would be hidden behind the power of the cross, and that I would decrease, and your spirit here tonight would increase. Lord, we need you more than ever. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Please stand with me. God's message to the children of God, Christians, submission, civil government, and authority, part one. Here we go. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you would have its approval. 
for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant and avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. And therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those whom you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. Respect to those you owe respect and honor to those you owe honor. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. You may be seated. Most of you can see, if you drove down Gary, that the logo is coming next week, I believe, and, and you see the name up there. And, and so, old Slewfoot, trying to be Slewfoot, but we're going to keep moving ahead, keep praying, keep calling on our Father, because God is at work and He's moving. But when the Spirit of God um, led me to preach through the book of Romans, it's about two years ago now, I knew intuitively that chapter 13 will be a very important message for us here and for all Christians living in America. I saw Christians having lots of confusion surrounding what was happening with the police shootings that led to much civil unrest. The lootings where many local governments started seeking for ways to defund the police. And in some cases, to get rid of the police altogether, shut down the jails, the prisons, and etc. You probably would say, Pastor, did they read Romans chapter 13? I would probably say they probably did not read Romans chapter 13. And I watched like most of you did. I watched from the shorelines of mostly young professing Christians across America be swayed by ideologies and philosophies that are coming straight from the teachings of demons. And I might add, held itself, which are leading to anarchy itself. You would say, Pastor, what is anarchy? Anarchy is a state of disorder due to absence or non-recognition of authority. 
It's a society freely constituted without authorities or a governing body. The Greek definition of anarchy means having no ruler, a belief system that rejects governmental authority in favor of self-governing or community consensus. That's how the Greeks would define the word anarchy. Well, the Bible has been around for a long time. As you hear the old people say, there's nothing new under the sun. Because anarchy is describing what the book of Judges says, which is a society in Judges 17.6. It says that in those days in Israel, there was no king in Israel. Here it goes. And everyone did what was right in his or her own eyes. Man, that's the generation that we're in right now, where, where people are making up laws as they walk and talk. The Bible spoke to this very fact. In Judges 17, I think also in Judges 25, where it says that there was a society among God's own people where there was no king, there was no one to rule, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I want to bring you into some stats. You know, this is what I do. Some of you are at work all day, so you don't have the opportunity to peruse the YouTube, keep up with what's happening here in America. But I'm not trying to scare you, but it is changing and it's changing fast. According to every stat from the government agencies right now, there is a historic violent crime wave sweeping across America. I want to encourage you, you go home, just YouTube and put in crime wave across every major city. It will blow your mind to see what's happening there are brazen, one just took place two days ago in Miami, broad daylight homicides, no mask, nobody cares. Not at night, but at one o'clock in the afternoon, people on lunch break, brazen shootings, homicides, sexual misconduct, robberies, and et cetera. It's almost like there's been an, an unleash of anarchy and hell upon America. And people are doing whatever seems right to them in their own eyes and having no fear of any kind of retribution means punishment from authority and no desire to submit to any authority. Some of you may have saw a few days ago, it was George Floyd anniversary and they were out there and there was news stations as they were out there, broad daylight. And we know that in Minneapolis, 
they started the process of defunding the police, basically removing any authority and unleashing upon that city total anarchy. Crime went skyrocketing. Murders and robberies went up so fast. 112% homicides in less than a year. Well, somebody started reading the Bible because they scrambled to refund the police because they realized that having governing authority was not a bad thing, but it was a good thing. And the other day, shootings on the very anniversary of George Floyd, as people were gathering to, to memorialize, and right in the midst of that, there was a shooting taking place, and you can find it on YouTube. But remember Romans. This letter that Paul has wrote to the Romans is, is being written to Christians, people like us who have been saved by grace through faith. They were born sinners, and they had a rebellious heart like all people. And they, at one time, they had a hate for authority. And this is my first slide. I only gave Chad the first part of this slide, which he read in his call to repentance, where Paul here is writing this as well. Remind those in, in Crete, Titus, to remind them to submit to the rulers. He's telling Christians. And here in Romans, he's also saying the same thing. But the Christians in Rome, they were not born Christians. They were born rebellious, sinful, and they too had a hate for authority. So Paul says, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities to obey and to be ready for every good work. To slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind. Always showing gentleness to all people. This is where we all come into the story. For we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and detesting one another. Paul says, now, Christians, don't ever forget the gospel story that came to you. That you and I at one time were rebellious. I still struggle with stopping at a stop sign. Sister Sandra can tell you that. I just don't like stopping it. I just know it's in me. Thank God he saved me. Because I probably wouldn't obey anybody or anything. That's another story. But we're all there. Disobedient. God haters. Rebellious. But here, I want to make a transition. Very important statement that I'm about to make. Genuine Christians, I made up a word, are submitters. It's not in the dictionary. You can go look it up. 
but I made it up. Genuine Christians are submitters at the core of their inner being. Genuine Christians are submitters at the core, meaning they have come under submission to the ultimate supreme sovereign authority in the universe. That's what a Christian is. He or she have come under submission to the ultimate supreme sovereign authority in the universe. The word sovereign means having a supreme power and authority. That's what a genuine Christian is. One who's come under submission to the ultimate supreme sovereign authority in the universe. And that person being God himself. Today, my main focus is the end of verse one and two. And Carl, you can put the scriptures back up in from Romans 13. I'm not going to deal today so much with the governing authorities. We're going to come back to that. But today I'm focusing in. I'm laser eyeing in on the last part of verse one and verse two, which says, since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. And so then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring, not maybe, don't know, will bring judgment on themselves. The Greek word there in this text is exousia. And Apostle Paul says that there is no authority exousia except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. And Paul is saying that all governing authorities in the very concept of authority itself are instituted by God. Let me say it again. All government authorities, whether you like them or not, like getting your driver's license. You'd be surprised how many people just don't think they should go to the, what, is it, what do they call it here? DM what? DMV. Did we call that in Grand Rapids? Yeah, we had a new name for it. But I mean, Alabama messed everything up. But y'all win football, though. I got to give you that. Just getting your driver's license is coming under the governing authorities. I'm not going to get into that today, but that's what I'm trying to get at here. And the very concept of authority itself, they are all instituted by God. Now, as human beings created by God, Genesis 126, 
Let us make human beings in our image and in their likeness. As human beings, we have been designed by God to encounter the first authority in our lives. Should be that of a father and our mother married to one another, committed to one another in a home. That's God's blueprint, which God reinforces in the fifth commandment when he says, when he calls all humans to do what? To honor their father and mother. Then he backs it up again with Paul in Ephesians 6.1 by obeying them. Your parents, both father and mother. That's God's order. That's his blueprint. That's the first line of institution that God has brought in for us and for our good to help us to understand the ultimate authority. God has instituted the family as the first legitimate authority institution in our lives. All of us got here from a man, from a woman. Now, whether they obeyed God in doing that is a different story. But they took a man's seed and a woman ovaries and egg, and God does the God stuff. Powwow, that's why y'all look so good. <laughs> that's how you got here. But what happens when that institution called the family is infiltrated with sinfulness and fragmentation and brokenness and counterfeit, broken down to his last compound, just totally disarrayed and destroyed. What happens when that institution that God has given to us as human beings is totally broken down, totally infiltrated and fragmented across the board? This is what you begin to see. You begin to see children rebelling to school authority now. Starting as early as kindergarten. And then when we see those kids who were missing out on the proper authority that comes from the home, then we see those teenagers rebelling against mom's and grandma's authority because the fathers are not there to guide them and give masculine authority. And therefore, we see fatherless children struggling with much of the governing authority in society, i.e. police. So old Slootfoot, he ain't not Slootfoot for a reason. He knows what the foundation is. That's why he's always trying to mess up the family. Because most of our society pathologies that we see especially here in the inner core urban city, is coming directly out of the family makeup and breakup. It's the foundation. 
I go on YouTube. I'm not going to tell you guys what my name is, but Dion and Noah know I do this. I'm on YouTube. I'm in California messing with their business. I'm in New York. I'm all over YouTube. And I'm, you know, you can give comments. And they don't know who I am. I had to change my name because before it used to be Pastor Alton Hardy. And folks would come back on Facebook and say, man, who are you talking to? I didn't know what I was doing. I was still trying to figure out all of this technology. But I said, oh, I got my name on there. So I had to switch it up. I gave a crazy name. So they don't know who it is. But I'm on there dropping nuggets of wisdom from the word of God. And they're just blocking me. The news in Atlanta, man, they hate me right now. Who does this guy keep coming here talking about fatherlessness? Because Atlanta is just going crazy. They're like, their crime is way up. People are getting robbed. Guys getting their cars stolen from the airport. It's just totally, and I keep going, it's black fatherlessness. It's just, they don't want to hear that. It's like, man, who is this guy? Because it goes against the norm. But I just keep texting it in. They just keep blocking me. And every now and then, they let it stay on there. I hope, pray nobody don't find out who I am here in Fairfield and come shoot me up. So <laughs> I'm not going to tell you guys what my name is, but I'm going to keep changing it just for, because Dion and Noah know who it is. They might tell somebody. So, but, but I'm on there going in on the rappers. <laughs> They're probably like, man, who is this guy talking smack like this? No, you can talk tough when you got to look at him, you know. <laughs> But we see this. And then we see this. We see people who have a difficult time submitting to the spiritual authority in the church. And therefore, people have a hard time submitting to the ultimate authority in Jesus Christ and his word. I grew up fatherless. My mom had 12 kids. I had a hard time with authority. Listen to me, young people in the room who grew up. I know what it is. If you ask me, I tell you. It was the biggest challenge in my life. I did not understand who God was. Some of you, you have a misconstrued idea about who God is. Because that family system is the first foundation to help lay down. That's what a father does. When God speaks, God is not stumbling over his words. He doesn't have to go to grade school to learn how to speak. He means what he means and he says what he says. But because we've grown up in an environment where we think the voice of God is like our mama or our grandma or somebody else that we can push around. You cannot push a God around. God is not going to bless you in your mess. God is not going to pour out all of heaven on you while you go your way and do it your way. It's not the Burger King way with God. And that takes a while to understand that God is not going to change his mind about his word, which he's spoken it from all eternity. But you think God like your mom? Not. So therefore, even in church, submitting to spiritual authority, submitting to the elders and the deacons and the leadership, 
which Hebrews 13, 7 says, obey your leaders, submit to them. Don't make it hard on them. God will hold us accountable by how we treat you. So when we spend time with you and we share things with you, what you should do with your life, that's not up for you just to say, oh, I don't have anything better to do. That is serious business. <laughs> and so people have a hard time understanding spiritual authority or submitting to it. Therefore, in the church. And therefore, they have a hard time really submitting to the ultimate authority. In Jesus Christ. And his word. So you say, Pastor, what is the purpose and reason or philosophical reason behind authority? What's, what is God trying to get at in all of that? Glad you asked. Got to make it plain. Why can't God just be God and not have to be so demanding? It is the reality that someone or somebody can hold us accountable to a written law or a command. Therefore, if we disobey it, we incur some judgment and consequences on ourselves from, dis from disobeying those laws, those laws or commands. It's the reality that someone can tell you what to do. And you don't do it. Then you incur some form of consequences or judgment. Some of you are like, man, that is tough. That's why we don't like it. <laughs> because somebody is telling you to do something that you in your own natural mind wouldn't do on your own. And this is exactly what verse two is saying. When the one who resists, I don't want, this is a new thing now. I love Jesus, but I don't have to listen to any of what y'all say here in the natural. That is ultimate deception. Look what the word says. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, God's law. And those who oppose it will bring, not maybe, will bring judgment on themselves. The ultimate authority is God himself. It is God who is going to judge, hold us all accountable because he is the righteous judge. When people disobey authority in general, they are really, and they don't even know it, they are opposing God. The police pull you over, and he's doing his job the right way, not talking about the bad guy, 
Remember, Paul even spoke to that. If they treat you bad, bless them. He said, Pastor, I'm not there. That's why I say Christianity is supernatural. <laughs> he didn't say shoot them. Say bless the officer. Pray God save him. Say, man, why you beat me up like this? Why are you doing that to me, Mr. Officer? Let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? You, have, you married, man? Can I pray for you and your wife, your children? Y'all go to Auburn? Now, nah, if you go to Auburn, I ain't going to pray for you. But you go to Alabama, I'll pray for you. <laughs> Let's have fun with them. So you should have went to Alabama. Send your kids to Alabama, man. Go down there with John Richardson. That's where, that's where Jesus lives. He lives in Tuscaloosa. He don't live in Auburn. <laughs> Highway 2 com- compacted on 2A to going that way. Go down to, you know, that way, open highway. See, angels are all behind the highway when you're going to Tuscaloosa. Nick saving down there, saving people. <laughs> Some of y'all say, man, Pastor, you're going to make me leave the church. Keep talking about Alabama. <laughs> I tell you, I'm done with football, for real, for real. <laughs> but when people disobey authority in general, they're really opposing God. God's command. Why is it so important to understand that? Because it was Adam's disobedience that we were all made sinners. See how we get in this mess? How we get into this, this thing? How do we get to this? Because the word of God says in Romans 5:19, for just as through one man's disobedience, Adam disobeyed. The many were made sinners. And so also through one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. Remember that I said earlier in my sermon that genuine Christians are submitters at the core of their inner being. That's what a Christian is. You ever want to ask yourself, what's a Christian? They are people who are submitting or have come to a place where they have submitted their lives, not just with speech, but also with their deeds, with their life. They have submitted their lives to the ultimate authority, which is Jesus Christ. And therefore, that's why I don't know how, Therefore, his word, they have come. That's what a Christian is. It's a person that has come to a place where they have submitted their lives to the ultimate authority, which is Jesus Christ. And therefore, his word, they are one and the same. We haven't seen Jesus. Not talking about the pictures. But we worship and we interact with him by his spirit. In his word, in the beginning, was the word. And so a Christian are genuine submitters at the core of their inner man, their inner woman. They submit to Jesus Christ and therefore his word. And this is why, and we're coming to a close. I said last week, I didn't finish my thought, but I'm going to say it again this week. And Sandra reminded me, 
I made a statement. She said, what were you talking about? She said, I said I was slow. And what, here's what I meant in a spiritual sense. God keeps saying the same thing over, but for me, it's, it always comes back to the heart of the gospel. But sometimes I don't catch it. It's just like, man, it's just, God is just, it's always the work of God. And a Christian is one who is submitted to the ultimate authority because there is no authority except that God has instituted it. He's the ultimate authority. So when you think about Christianity in this light, God tells us as those who are following after him to go into the world and do what? He said, make disciples. And then it just like hit me. It's like, man, it's, it's, it's everywhere. He said, go into all the world and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Go into all the world, go into all the cosmos and to make disciples. Matthew 28 says, but teaching them to observe everything. See, it's back to what Paul is saying in Romans. Teaching them to obey me. Obey me. Not just hear me. Obey me. Follow me. He didn't say just go teach and hopefully they will obey. No, he really wants us to obey. Sin is a result of disobedience. God never blesses disobedience. Y'all really need to hear me. God only blesses those who obey him. The Greek word there, observe, teaching them to observe everything. The whole counsel of God's word. I have commanded you. God says, Teach them to obey me. Now, why would God tell us to go into the world and to make disciples and to tell people to obey him? And God says, I am the ultimate authority. The word observe is tarot, which means to continue to obey orders, commands. God says, go. Tell them to obey me. It is God who has created us by his authority. And he gets the right to command us to live according to his perfect standard, which we know we can't keep it because Jesus does that. But part of the sanctification we do. We pursue it. And therefore, we submit our will to his word. The root of our promise as humans stems from the fact that we hate authority at all. And the fact that someone or somebody gets the right to tell us what to do. And that's why it's so tough, because we think that God doesn't have the right to tell us what to do with the body that he gave for us to live the way he wants us to live with it. But God says... If you're disobeying authority, you are really disobeying 
God himself, because God is the ultimate authority. And so therefore, we know that we have been conquered by the gospel when we willingly submit to all authority in our lives because we have come under the ultimate authority, which is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me say it again. You, you know that you've been conquered by the gospel, that the gospel has reclaimed you for the glory of God, for the majesty of God. When you in this life, you submit to earthly authority, to all the governing authorities. This is how I knew that I had become a Christian because most of my life, I didn't like anyone telling me what to do. But when God saved me, I submitted myself to the pastors and the leadership. Now, Pastor Hart, you asked me, was it tough? Yes. Sandra would tell you, our first pastor when we got married, he was a tyrant. He was a Marine. When he said be at church, at, at, we met in the morning, he didn't mean 501. And when I came in at 501 or 5 o'clock, he was chewing me out. Because most of my life, I did it my way when I wanted to do it on my time clock. This dude did not play. He was like, Jesus Christ, what, what, call me out right in the midst of the service. Now, when I get to the morning, I may do some of that. <laughs> Shall be all say, Pastor, I ain't ready for that. Showing them late. Get him, Lord. <laughs> but it made me the leader I am now. I hated it. I said, God, why did you give me this Marine guy? Because he was a Marine guy. No, he was a Navy. Crazy is an all wannabe. <laughs> it was not only until years later, when I'm now in ministry full time, did I understand why God chose him to be my leader and to help me because I had grown up with a mom. I raised myself so I had become used to doing things my way. So the way I heard God's voice was the same way I heard my own voice. I do it when I get to it. I stop sinning when I feel like it. I get married when I, when I want to get married. I, even though God says, some of y'all are struggling with masturbation. Sorry, I'm going to go here. You say, God, why you won't take it away? Go read Romans, me, 1 Corinthians um, 7. The word of God, this is obedient. Now, this is the Lord put on my heart. How are we going to change this 85% out of wedlock? And there's sexual debauchery happening in the hood. When Christians take God at his word and stop playing, God is not joking at verse two. If you're struggling with the desire to have sex, your Lord, if you're a professing Christian here today, because this is what I'm going to do. Say, God, if you're a man, especially the men, I'm not praying for you to gain strength over that sexual urges. I'm going to pray what the word of God tells me to pray for you for. I'm going to pray that you begin to seek out a wife. The word of God says if you're burning with a desire, you go read it yourself. 
He doesn't say there's a second tier thing that you can do to help it. He says, find a wife or a husband. Well, how do you think I got married? I was the first of my hood friends to get married. They said, what are you doing? You're 21. God said it. I like it. I want to be married. Some of y'all say, I don't want to obey God. Here's what you understand about who he is. He's a righteous judge. He's not playing. It'll make you grow up. It'll make you be a more man of God that you desire to be. He's not going to come in and take the urge away. He's telling you in your body, find a wife. Because what this stuff is doing to young men, they're getting crazy by 20 years down the road and has got their minds totally messed up. Satan has got hooks in them. Your mind, because porn regulates your whole brain cells. This is how serious the obedience to the authority of God's word is. She said, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a, I want to be a Christian. A Christian is one who submits to the ultimate authority of God. I didn't say perfect. That's why I got married. I, took, I looked around. I said, man, ain't no way I'm going to be Mother Teresa. I said, I can't do it. I know her. There she go right there. <laughs> I said, I can't. I'm not Mother Teresa. You know what Mother Teresa is? She took a vow of not ever going to... <laughs> Some of y'all have that vow. Don't even try. I'm not going to even pray for you. <laughs> so what we're going to do, all eyes closed, head bow. This is a strong word. This authority thing is real. It's a submission. God wants to bring revival to Fairfield. Which I didn't tell you guys how he's going to bring it. He's going to bring it through his word going first. Because that's where the hearts get ripped open and people confess their sins and their faults. And they say, God, you see me for who I am. And God sees us. And he does love us. But God is not trying to trying to play games with this. He wants their people to live according to his blueprint. And so, Father, we pray right now for you by your spirit to help us to to come under that ultimate submission to the ultimate authority, which is found and realized in Jesus the Christ. He came not doing his own will, but doing your will. Even when it was his toughest hour, his toughest moment, when he bled drops of blood. But he says with his own mouth, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Be done. And Father, I pray for these men here today. Lord, you know who they are. You know what they're struggling with. And I pray, Lord, that you convict their hearts and that you begin to perform many marriages in this congregation. That you begin to grow men up and to be in the men that you've called us to be. That Fairfield will be a church and a city where men and women will run to the altar both for the repentance of their sins, but also to a holy matrimony where we live for the glory of you and creating families here in Fairfield. That we begin to break away from the norms of children being born out of wedlock, 
or better yet, being killed. In the killing mills of the abortion clinics that are popping up all in our communities. But Father, we want to be obedient people. You've come to rescue us from the land of Canaan, Egypt, and to bring us to the promised land. Fill us up with your spirit. Give us a heart to obey. And convict us when we know that we're sinning. And Lord, help us to to seek out the wise counsel from among us and to hear the elders and the deacons and the leaders that you have put in this church, Father, for such a time as this. And that when we hear and when we listen, that we obey. Come, Holy Spirit, now by your power and your spirit. Convict us now and bring us all to that place where you want us to be, where we will do, say, and walk and talk all to your glory and for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand on your feet as Pastor Chad makes his way up here um, to give this benediction. <laughs>